0: Today's show is brought to you by Aptiv. Aptiv is a fabulous app and robust online community that allows you access to top-notch motivating personal trainers who guide you through an audio-based workout that is timed to your choosing with fun, perfectly synchronized music. Like Netflix for Fitness, Active gives members unlimited access to their entire bank of high-end trainer-led workout classes. So if you're looking for fresh, high-quality, on-the-go motivating workouts that adapt to your lifestyle, I highly recommend Active. In fact, if you head over to the curator playlists, you'll see a familiar face. I chose seven of my favorite Active workouts, so that you can get a well-rounded mix of workouts that will take you from intense cardio to restorative serenity. And these are some of my favorite workouts to do when I'm traveling or if I just have a spare 20 minutes between activities. And because they're the best, Active is even offering Fed and Fit listeners a free 30-day trial when you sign up for monthly subscriptions at www aapti Be sure to enter the promo code FED and FIT one word at checkout and your first 30 days are on the house. Welcome back to another episode of the Fed and Fit Podcast. I am excited today because I'm joined by another wonderful Fed and Fit listener. Today we're joined by Kelsey from Austin, Texas. She's a petroleum engineer. And if you're new to the show and you're new to Reverse Interviews, it is just I, a reader or a listener will write in with a really fabulous question. And instead of answering their question via email, which is what they've asked me to do, I instead invite them to come on the show for, to have a conversation uh, where we can talk through their question with the hopes that if this goes up on the podcast, it resonates with more folks that are out there. And I really think that that's going to be the case today. Uh, Kelsey, welcome to the show. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, just out of curiosity, where did you get your degree in petroleum engineering?
1: Uh, So I went to Texas A&M University in College Station. Little Birdie told me you went there as well, so it was a wonderful place, and I enjoyed it.
0: Oh, I was hopeful. Um, I am. It's got a great petroleum engineering program, so I was wondering if you were an Aggie. That's so exciting! (laughs) Football season's around the corner.
1: I know. I'm so excited. I got to get myself up to a game. I try to go once every every season, but we'll see if that's going to happen.
0: Oh, that's so good. I actually just had a, I'm doing a surprise. I guess I really shouldn't probably give too many details because <laughs> we haven't announced it yet, but I'm doing a collaborative ebook with three other bloggers. And um, we are, ge- we're scheduling the big photo shoot because we're going to do, you know, these, about a week worth of photos together. Mm-hmm. And they're coming to San Antonio for it. And as soon as the Aggie football schedule was announced, I reached back out and I was like, guys, I'm sorry to be such a Texan right now, but can we not do it on the South Carolina weekend game?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think I went to that one, I guess, two years ago, because that would have been when we had that. That's a great game. I mean – I think sometimes you have to schedule around Aggie football. It's just, it just makes more sense. It's things step aside when Aggie football comes around.
0: It's true. It's like scheduling a wedding. Aggies, know. When you're when you're <laughs> when you're scheduling your wedding, it needs to be on an away weekend.
1: <laughs> or you provide televisions for all your guests at the reception.
0: Absolutely, you got to meet them halfway. Okay, I'm sorry. I won't bore everybody to tears. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited to talk with another Aggie. Um, okay, Kelsey, I know you had a great question. Feel free to take it away and uh, give folks a little bit of more, a little more background info.
1: Awesome. Yeah, I'll try to keep it brief. But um, basically, I kind of went up and down uh, my whole life uh, in in weight. I mean, I did Weight Watchers. I did um, just working out by itself, but mostly just never really knew, I guess, what I was doing and my weight would go up and down and I was just never really happy with it or I guess kind of accepted, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of a bigger person, uh, no big deal. Um, I moved to Austin about a year and a half ago. And I started going to this gym and so it's pretty much like hit boot camps like CrossFit style but without the big Olympic lifts and all that and I started working with um, my friend and who is one of the owners of the gym and uh, the trainer there and she got me on macros and I in the matter of eight weeks lost like 5% body fat. I gained a bunch of muscle. Um, It was just kind of an eye-opening experience, right? Um, It was the first time I could really kind of take control Uh, and I mean, me, I'm like very sciencey engineering, obviously. So I was like, Oh, well, it makes sense. You know, this is how much of this that I would eat and this is what it's doing to my body. And I got real excited about it. Um, after about probably like a year, it's probably been about a little over a year of counting macros. I just kind of burnt out on it. Um, you know, priorities change a little bit. Um, I wasn't really seeing any progress anymore to any distinct degree, But you know, I mean, cutting forever—that's not really reasonable, right? You Mm -hmm. kind—you kind of lose lose motivation there. Um, And I have, you know, you don't—I kind of approached a place in my life where I wanted to stop tracking, and I started, you know, listening to your podcasts and seeing the blog and some other paleo bloggers as well. And I was like, man, like people have been able to, you know, see results and really transform their lives without counting every gram and every calorie of food that goes into their bodies. Um, and me having such a, I guess, an unhealthy past with food as far as not knowing what to eat, I guess it, it's been kind of hard for me to let go of the macros mm-hmm. um, and really trust myself with food. And it's, it's something I recognize is you shouldn't be afraid of it. Um afraid of food or afraid of the amount of macros you're eating, especially on paleo where, you know, I tend to eat higher fats where, mm-hmm. you know, I lost a bunch of weight doing maybe 55 grams of fat a day and uh, I wasn't by any means starving myself. I was eating a lot of food, um, but it's, um, it just, it scares me a little bit letting go. Um, and I just kind of wondered, you know, did you have that nervousness as far as, you um, you know, just kind of trusting yourself with food?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is such a really good it's a great topic, great question. Um yes, I definitely went through that as well. Uh I did not I did not enter this world from a macros perspective, but I entered it from I don't know if you Kelsey, have you ever heard of the blocks, the zone diet? Yes. Yeah little bit about it. Okay. So it's more, it's, it's less based on um, actual grams of what you need for each macronutrient and more geared towards how many blocks of food you need from each of those macronutrients. So you need, for example, a block like based on your weight and your goals and things like that. And for the record, before I go much (laughs) further down this road, I'm not promoting this. (laughs) but this is um this was kind of my entry into healing from having no control over what i was eating and food was either a form of reward or punishment right yeah. to knowing that i had to do something different and then finally transitioning over into just being able to live you know and and right. continue to see results so this was a part of this was a part of my transition and my transition was really slow i mean i think it's partly because I wasn't, I was not ready to give up, um, I guess being told what to eat, if that makes any sense. Um, so for those, for the blocks, it was essentially, if you need, if I need personally, um, four blocks of carbohydrates a day, I knew that one cup of raspberries equaled one block. And so I would space those things out and I would have half a cup of potato for another block for dinner, things like that. Um, and so it was more portion based and I had a lot of fear when it came to stop measuring my food. Now, granted, those were ballpark measurements in terms of volume. It wasn't necessarily grams of protein and when you really, and then you really get into the weeds depending on the density of the food, um, and what's really present there. So, you know, it was, it was a little bit lighter, it was counting light, (laughs) I was a, I was. Um, I'm also kind of a nerd, but not. I man, those Freeze. petroleum engineers can really hack it.
1: <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about about nerds. I have no idea.
0: <laughs> I have a lot of respect for it. Um, you're definitely one smart cookie. So I definitely <laughs> understand. That you would you would gravitate towards a much more detailed, specific scientific program, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I, if you're trying to transition and just live and still see results, it can be very intimidating. You feel like you're jumping off a diving board into the deep end, and you have no idea how far down it goes, um, or really where the four walls are. So it's a kind of a scary transition. And I just I mean I say all that just to let you know you're definitely not alone in that. Um, And it doesn't mean that you don't have hope. It doesn't mean that there's not, you know, there isn't possibility for you to continue to see progress and continue to feel great without feeling like you have to obsessively, or maybe it's not even obsessively, but just track, you know, the numbers, the grams of proteins, fats, and carbs. Um, So how do we do that, right? How do you make that transition is kind of the golden question. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's a bunch of different ways out there that there's, a bunch of different paths that you could take. But for the most part, something that I've seen that works really well for everybody that I've worked with, for myself, when I was going through this, um, I guess I should say in terms of success rate, this has probably one of the highest success rates for people who actually utilize it. And the good news is, if you're used to having an active role in you know determining your nutrition, it plays to that because it gives you something to do right? Mm-hmm. It's not just, it's not like I would just tell you, we'll stop counting and <laughs> just start eating, yeah. right? Cause that's not helpful. That's like telling somebody, you know, with my clients, it's like telling them, well, you need to stop drinking soda and just drink water because water wouldn't be the same for them. It would be too big of a jump, too big of a mindset shift. I would say every time you crave a soda, grab a sparkling water instead. Cause at least you get the bubble still. And at least you get something that feels some semi-special. Um, so when it comes to behavioral swaps, when it comes to tracking things, I think swapping in out from counting uh grams of what you're eating to qualifying it in terms of a food journal. So you're probably journaling all those things already, but changing what you're writing, I think can have a huge impact. So instead of talking about the actual weights of what's showing, because by this after a year of counting macros, you probably have a really good idea of what's represented in different foods.
1: Right. Which is, I think, sometimes why paleo has kind of been scary to me. It's like, oh my gosh, my fat is through the roof. I can feel it, even if I don't write it down.
0: (laughs) Totally. Yeah. And you know what? It's okay to go a little light. It sounds like you may be somebody who's not very fat tolerant. And that's totally normal. I'm actually not a very highly fat tolerant person myself. I do a little bit better with more carbohydrates than I do with more fats. Um, so I think that you can, knowing that about yourself is really going to help you in this transition. And it doesn't sound like it's going to be a very long one for you. Um, I feel like you're going to be there in no time. So knowing that about yourself, you can customize paleo in that way. And, um, Gosh, was it? I was talking with Lexi Davidson of Lexi's Clean Kitchen, and we were talking about there's some other bloggers out there, not in the paleo world, but they will put Weight Watchers points on all their recipes. And it's pretty neat way to at least reach that market of people. But we were joking that for the most part, a lot of the paleo recipes, especially the older recipes that I have on my blog, back before, you know, there was arrowroot or white potatoes, you know, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and coconut was in everything. Um, our the points would have been just through the roof just because yeah. of the healthy fats. So you know, I would I would pick and choose paleo recipes based on what you know is going to work for your body. Um, I personally, for example, I have a recipe for stuffed avocados that people really love, but I can't eat those. I can eat. I'll eat the chicken out of them, and I'll maybe eat a quarter of an avocado from that recipe, but I can't eat too. I can't eat a whole avocado in one meal. It's just too much fat for my body. Yeah. I Um, feel
1: a little bloated and
0: yeah, it
1: it fills you up for sure. But yeah, I don't always feel awesome after a huge meal of that.
0: Exactly. And that's, it sounds like we might be somewhat similar in our constitution in that we're slightly less fat tolerant than maybe other folks are. Um, so I would say that journaling, Starting with the foods that you know make you feel good, whether or not you're counting them, um, would be a good place to go. Write down how they make you feel and then going from there, looking more of retrospective, how did you feel after that meal, and then making tweaks from there. You know, I had, um, you probably already have all this data, so you could probably already make all these decisions, but um, I would say journaling more food Quality, as in what's you know what's actually showing up on your plate versus quantity, might help you kind of jump that bridge a little bit. Is that helpful at all? Yeah,
1: yeah, that that's helpful. And I think even when it comes down to portions, it could be helpful to find out. You know, I was hungry an hour after this meal, and yeah. it was very carb heavy. Or maybe I need a little bit of fat if I'm feeling really hungry. Yeah. Or maybe I mean, is there sugar in it? Um, something like that that I can kind of limit.
0: Exactly, that's exactly what I'm getting at. and that kind of journaling can be really powerful when after the end of let's say and you have a workout in there um, and for lunch you had a chicken salad it was pretty low carb, relatively low fat, but it was uh, had plenty of protein and so your calories may have been up there. Um, but you just you bonked really early in your workout. You know right. you, you ran out of steam and then you didn't recover very quickly afterwards. You know, that, those kinds of things to write down will really help you then flip back through and say, oh, you know what? I actually did go really low carb that day on accident, um, and and maybe I need to add in a little bit more water here and there. Or whatever it is that you've got jotted down that you noticed. you'll you'll be able to figure it out better than anybody. And the same goes for fats. If you feel more weighed down the next day, you can scroll back through and say, oh, you know what? I had avocado and bacon and butter on that potato all in one meal. Maybe that was too much fat sounds for delicious. me. It sounds delicious, <laughs> and don't get me wrong, I eat it. Um but you know, those those kinds of observations might be really powerful. Right.
1: Yeah, that's that's a great idea. And it's something that I guess I, I've tried to kind of go cold turkey on the macros. It gives me a little little undue stress sometimes. Uh but that's that's kind of a – it's a great idea just so I'm being conscious. You know, I've in the past tended to be a bit of a boredom eater too. I mean snacking has been mm-hmm. a big part of my past and what's the only – I mean my meals may be all right, but what has really always derailed me is snacking between meals. It really has. And so writing down kind of the quantity of my meals, it lets me know, okay, well, these are healthy, good foods for you. And if you're eating enough to keep you full for the day – I'm staying away from some of those tempting things that I treated myself to before.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think that if people are truly hungry between meals, then they're just not eating enough at the meal prior. And, and if we just, and then that's a thing that you can determine through journaling, for example, right? Um, you have, so you have breakfast at 7am and at 1030 in the morning, maybe an hour before you really want to have lunch, you're truly hungry which would tell me that maybe you need to just add a little bit more of something to your breakfast, whether it's a protein or a fat or maybe even a carbohydrate, something um, to help you get through. Because snacking, to your point, can be kind of a slippery slope into, you know, no breaks eating. And that's something that I had to heal from as well. I definitely came from, I had a, gosh, a wide array of... Um, Bad relation, not bad relationships, but problems with um, how I viewed food. Sorry, Gus is talking to me right now. (laughs) He's my great Pyrenees and he's staring me down because he wants either a sweet potato or a -A W-A-L-K. I think
1: the dogs are channeling each other. I have some dropping toys in my lap as we speak.
0: (laughs) They're like Get it together, mom. This Give me one. five minutes. You have been gone all day long, and now you're ignoring me.
1: <laughs> what are you doing, human? It is my life, not yours.
0: Totally. We're you in the presence of guts. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> it is. So when it comes to those kinds of things, I still, if I think back on my relationship with food, I had, there were certain foods that were triggers for me. And I, it would just, I would send me down a very slippery slope. We call them no breaks foods, meaning Mm -hmm. that, right. You can sit in front of a bowl of kale and stop eating when you've had enough kale. Oh yeah. Right. But for me, when I'm sitting in front of a bowl of pasta, let's even if it's gluten-free pasta, I will eat until the bowl is empty. Yes. Because I, it's a no breaks food for me. I don't have any sort of an awareness of when I've had enough, aside right. from physical fullness, and even then it's very easy to ignore. So I would, you know, when it comes to those types of things, I w- I still try to portion myself off. Pizza is another no breaks food for me, just because I love it so much. I put ranch dressing on it, you know, it's just so delicious.
1: Yeah, going through my head right now, as you said, no breaks food. I'm like, I can't order pizza,
0: <laughs> or you can. But give yourself the three <laughs> to four pieces that you know won't make you feel terrible.
1: Right. And then put the rest in the fridge. Put, put it away. Rest,
0: put the rest away. Exactly. And that's <laughs> what I have to do. There's, um, we had it last night. I ordered a do- Domino's gluten-free pizza. And I have eaten the whole darn thing before. And it makes me feel so sick for an entire day. Um, yeah. which just isn't worth it. And so what I know, I know it's enough food. and that I'm not in danger of not getting enough calories if I only eat maybe a third to half of it. So I would say try to portion out those things that are going to be a little bit more of a um, temptation. You know, when it comes to actually counting portions, portion those out and be really strategic about them or enjoy them very, not as regularly as you do other foods. But, uh, for everything else, try to listen to your body. Try to listen to when you're, when you really feel like you've had enough, um, when your energy is feeling the best and let that kind of be your guide to really peeling away the layers of what your body is actually needing.
1: That's a great, that's a great point. Great idea. Um, and I guess it'll, it'll help too, as far as, you know, I've seen great results, um, through it, and I'm really kind of happy with where I am and where you know, at the nutrition has gotten me. Um, you mentioned before that your uh, kind of journey to where you are was slow. I mean, you made great progress. I mean, from looking kind of at your past information and mm-hmm. your weight loss journey. Um, did, I mean, was there a point when you plateaued and you kind of was there something you told yourself when you're like, okay, I'm just gonna you know trust
0: the eating Mm -hmm. clean
1: and continuing to work out process because I'm, I'm a results now person. I know it's not always realistic. Right. Right. Um, I I feel like I, I love the way that I look, but I want more. Right. And Mm -hmm. I want it right now. It doesn't work that way.
0: I know. And it's hard to get it. That is, that is probably the biggest transition, mental transition uh, to go through is when you have arrived at a really healthy state to stop, working on getting there. Right. And that just takes, it just takes some self-awareness. It takes, uh, for me, for example, when I arrive at looking back in hindsight, so now I'm pregnant, right? We're in my second trimester. Totally. Thank you. <laughs> and you know, and my body's changing a lot. And I just posted, uh, I was going through pictures from a fitness photo shoot that I did last year. Um, and it's so funny how when I remember when I was taking those photos, I thought I was kind of still in a journey of working on my fitness, which I am and I always will be, right? Because it's a it's 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 kind of a destinationless journey. Um right. but I remember and now I look back on those photos and I think, wow, I was in amazing shape, but I really didn't give myself that credit when I was right. there. Um and so that's really hard when you are a results driven person um, it's hard to know when this is good and when to maintain, right? Right. And so when do you get into that maintaining mode? Um, you know, it's hard to know, it's hard to know if that's appropriate and you, you can really only answer that for yourself or you can ask a close family or friend member that you are friend or family member that you know, and you trust to give you really advice, really great advice. You know, would you say that, um, you know, I just need kind of a, a reality check in terms of, do I need to keep working on this? Do you think I still have progress that can be made, or do you think things are great? It all depends on your goals. If you have, you know, performance goals, and that's why folks who are in CrossFit, for example, or uh, do Olympic lifting or runs and things like that, right? They have actual performance goals that they're working on, and then their physique just becomes something that's along for the ride. Right. That's a slightly different story, but when it comes to just how you're looking and how you're feeling. It's hard to know when you've really arrived. So I would take a step back, look at old photos, take, take recent photos, and compare the two side by side so you can kind of objectively be like, oh, wow, yeah, I'm doing awesome. Um, now, if you feel like you have plateaued and you still have either body fat, like a good amount of body fat to lose, or you could be doing more in the gym. Like your performance could be you, – you could have more output, right? Yeah. Um then it's then it's worth looking nutritionally and seeing if any tweaks can be made. When I was at that point, I was going So my my journey, the biggest part of my transformation took about a year. And I would say that that I plateaued somewhere in the middle towards the latter part because I realized or I started eating more fat, ironically because I'm not very fat tolerant. But I started eating more than I was before. I was a little too low fat. Um, started eating more, and all of a sudden my my weight loss kind of kicked back in. Right. Or my my well metabolically at least I was burning more body fat and building more muscle more easily. I had more energy in my workouts. And I started sleeping a little bit better. So I started eating more fat, and then I started eating a little bit more carbs. I stopped being so afraid of carbohydrates, and I started feeling better and better. And my clothes kept fitting better and better. Um, so if you're truly at a plateau, it might be worth looking at upping carbs or fat, one of the two, if not both. Um, but if it's a mental thing and you're just trying to figure out you know, how to tell yourself, I'm here, and that's good. I can keep doing this. <laughs> Then you just kind of go into a maintenance mode and you start experimenting with recipes in the kitchen instead of, you know, grilled chicken breast and broccoli because you know that those are kind of performance related foods. Does that make any sense?
1: Yes, absolutely. It does. Um, it is amazing, too, you know, how society tells us, you know, we shouldn't eat more to start gaining or to start getting results, right? Mm-hmm. It, sh- it doesn't make sense. But I think that was one of the craziest things. And it, it was looking at, kind of the content of the diet and what kind of foods I was eating versus the quantity. Like I remember, um, always eating, I I remember looking back at what I ate before and it was like, okay, an English muffin and then oatmeal. And then I'd have like a sandwich and then I wouldn't cook. And then I'd have like another sandwich and there was like no protein in it. It was like literally all carbs. Mm. And then when I switched to macros, it was like, okay, like I'm introducing, a lot of protein. I'm just eating more and more and it's amazing how the pounds can fall off.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it? It is. It's interesting. It's as if our body is a machine and once it has enough fuel to really properly run, all engines are go all of a sudden. Um, and it works much more efficiently. So that is, that is really interesting. And it is very different from what we think when we eat less exercise more, right? That's the old adage. And truth be told, you can that will work up to a point, but you will hit a wall. Yes. So And then your
1: metabolism does for sure.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then the metabolism stalls. Um we kind of go in if you if you're very extreme with eat less, work out more, your body kinda goes into survival mode. Um <laughs> and it thinks that you're going to put it through really low caloric intake periods of time and it's gonna maintain body fat in order to get through those things. So Um, Yeah, it is. It is interesting. But I I hope this whole conversation has been helpful uh, and not too rambling.
1: No, it absolutely has. And it's kind of, it's good to talk to somebody who kind of reaffirms what, you know, your body, I I tell myself, you know, it'll be fine. Like I've learned a lot over the period of time, you know, and I just need to kind of relax and be comfortable with what I've learned this, this far and try to like qualitatively analyze it versus quantitatively
0: yes exactly you got this focus on how you're feeling versus maybe what the numbers tell you you should be feeling like um right. i would really focus on that part of it kind of the back end of the equation and then back yourself into the formula that works for you um so i think that's really great and, and when in doubt i'm sure your hydration game is great but when in doubt if you're really feeling sluggish and things are stalling for you, it could always be related to dehydration or exhaustion. Yes you know, and, and, point. and I've seen that, ha- I've seen that come up with a lot of people who are dotting their I's and crossing their T's nutritionally. They're listening to their body. They're giving it what they know it needs. Um, you know, they've been through kind of this, this journaling introspective program before, but all of a sudden they stall. And when you look at the numbers there, it's because they're sleeping four hours a night and not drinking as much water because they have a really intense period at work going on right now and they just don't have the time for it. And as soon as they pick those things back up, add a couple more hours on at night and start drinking more water, things pick up again, right? Their energy starts to go back up and maybe even body fat starts to come off again. So uh, make sure that those those two pieces are in check also.
1: Yeah, those are always the first to go. They
0: are, (laughs) aren't they?
1: (laughs) On a busy schedule. That's the, the two first things that we forget about. It I know is. I do
0: at least. Absolutely. I do too. And you know, and it's low-hanging fruit. It really is because it's sometimes it's more it feels more difficult to change what's showing up on our plate than it is the fact that we can just drink an extra glass of water between meals and try to go to bed an hour earlier. Right. You know, but those two things actually I would argue have a greater impact on our health and well-being than even what shows up on our plate. Yeah,
1: well, I have a I have a laundry list of things I need to work on. Oh, good! That's so <laughs> exciting. Could. Yeah, no, those are good things. I think, especially the sleep, I meal planning and stuff. I'd stay up like an extra hour just planning my food mm-hmm. for the next day, finding out what I was going to eat, and then I'd look at the clock, and be like, oh man, you know, I have to wake up in five hours. This is. Probably not what I should have done.
0: Yeah, that's that's hard. That's a hard one to prioritize between the two. And that's why I, d- I organize them as priorities, right? Priority one is yeah. mindset. Priority two is rest and hydration because I really think the two go hand in hand. And then we have food and then we have fitness. And if we tackle those things, if you've only got time to work on your perspective, you know, your attitude and your sleep, then go ahead and do those. And don't worry about the rest, <laughs> Um, I think that's a good thing. And we're going to all go through periods where those, you know, they're moving parts. Like, for example, while I was writing the book, it was a crazy time with crazy deadlines. I was cooking 10 to 12 dishes a day, which doesn't, it just sounds... When I say that out loud, I hear myself say it, and I think that sounds like I have such a cushy job because I just have to cook. Um, but there was like a lot of cleaning. It was that's really what it was. It was more cleaning than anything. At the end of the day, I would ask my husband, "Can I just burn the kitchen down and start over?" Um, but there were, there were really long days on my feet, and then at nighttime, I had to do a lot of editing. And then you'd wake up as soon as possible. Uh, the next day to start it all over again. And that what happened day after day, after day, after day. And so I was only sleeping five to six hours a night. I probably was not very hydrated because I just wouldn't think about drinking water. Um, so in those ca- occasions during that season, I compensated those high priority items with excellent nutrition, right? Yeah. I, I didn't drink alcohol while I was working on those really intense days of the book because I didn't want to overload my body in that way as well. Um, and you know, those those kinds of decisions. I also I also worked out less during that period because I didn't I was trying to reduce stress on my body overall. So, you know, you're gonna have seasons and you're gonna be able to counterbalance those things out. But for the most part, if you have the ability to influence rest and hydration, those are gonna have a, a huge impact.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: Awesome. Kelsey, do you have any other questions for me today?
1: I think that about Answers my biggest question, and I appreciate you uh, having me on here.
0: Yeah, girl. Likewise. Thanks for coming on. I wish you the best, um, and I, we're gonna we're gonna be in for another Aggie football season. So
1: definitely, I think we're we're definitely gonna be undefeated this season. I can I can feel it.
0: <laughs> I like it. I like that attitude. I we ran into somebody in West Virginia recently who was a Aggie grad. A class of fifty-six or something. He's an old ag, and <laughs> we were joking. He said people up here just aren't as excited about college football as we are. They take it a different kind of seriously. And I yeah. just said, you know, I think all of us Aggies were just eternal optimists every year. You have to be. <laughs> <laughs> every it year's it's year. an
1: Emotional turmoil. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, it's very, it's an emotional roller coaster for sure. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, Kelsey, I wish you the best. Thank you so much for coming on the show today and for asking your great questions. And I hope it was helpful.
1: Definitely was. Thank you very much, Cassie.
0: Good. Thank you so much. And for all of our listeners, thanks so much, everybody, for dialing in. As always, you can find a complete transcript of today's show over at fedandfit.com under the episode show notes. And as always, we'll be back again next week.